Welcome to Aligned and Ambitious Radio. I'm your host, Taylor Slanko, business coach, entrepreneur, dog mom to Marley, and iced coffee obsessed. I help women build businesses that give them total freedom with their time and money without sacrificing the things that are important to them. I was able to scale my business and brand well beyond six figures in sales my first year because I was focused on staying aligned and ambitious. I did things my own way, I wrote my own rules, and I believe your business is your playground. There's no one strategy, one size, or one way to build the business of your dreams. Through this podcast, I'm committed to peeling back the curtain and sharing the behind the scenes of my own business. So we'll talk about everything from mindset to strategies to marketing, and of course, how to make more money. I'm so happy you're here. Now let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Aligned and Ambitious Radio. I'm so excited to be chatting with my friend, Madison Tinder, today. She is the visibility queen. She helps female entrepreneurs gain more visibility online to really generate more sales. And you guys know I'm huge on visibility. I'm huge on video, Instagram stories. Madison shares a lot of the same views as I do. So I'm really excited to get her perspective on things. So welcome to the show, Madison. Why don't you tell us kind of how you got started in the online space? Yeah. So I feel like same thing with you. I just kind of stumbled in the online space. Um, I started as a social media manager. I did management for local companies in Dallas. So I I wasn't really online. I mean, I was doing their social media, but I wasn't, you know, promoting my business online. It was more like giving people business cards, doing it like the old school way, which is always a great way in my opinion, um, and referrals. So I started utilizing Instagram as an avenue, almost like a portfolio, like showcasing what I can do for my clients, how I can get them results in social media management. And I kind of fell into the coaching and consulting space. Um, As I started posting more about what I was doing for my clients, I had people reaching out to me asking if I taught this, if I did consulting. And it's funny when you don't expect something, like you're getting people DMing you asking, I was like, I don't, I don't do that. I just do management. Well, I I took it upon myself to maybe have some free consultations. And that's when I absolutely fell in love with the consulting part. Um, So I started with social media consulting, and then I moved into coaching. Once I got comfortable with the feel of the one-on-one, and then I transitioned to marketing, and now I am business and visibility. So I started with service-based and then I moved into coaching and it's taken about, I, I would say this time two years ago is when I started my social media management business. So it's We're been so a- on the same page with timeline too. It was like really? two years ago for me too. Yeah. August of two years ago. That is so funny. Yeah. And it's crazy how fast things happen. Um, I mean, the first year, obviously, it was, you know, rocky. Um, but I always tell people you got to kind of stick it out and things yeah. are work in your favor. I think there's a lot of good nuggets, even in just what you said right there of how you started in one direction and you were asked to do consulting and you wanted to make sure it felt good. There's going to be an evolution to your brand and your business. And I think so many new people have resistance around that and they want to have it all figured out in that first, you know, six months and I'm locked in. This is what I'm doing. This is my package. This is what I'm charging. But like the reality is it's always like it's going to change every year because you change as a person every year. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And I think it's one of those things where you have to be okay with your business to shift, I guess I would Mm -hmm. say. 
um, when I started into coaching, I actually kept my social media management clients until recent, some of them till recently, cause I love to do it. Um, like even last month I had a social media management client, they're all gone, but I just loved it. Cause I formed a relationship with those people, I would say. And it, it wasn't hard work to me. I mean, when I, if you have a lot of clients, yeah, it can feel hard, but you have to be okay with things to shift in your business and, almost take it as a sign that it's the right thing to do. I, I knew when people started reaching out to me, I was like, oh, this consulting, that's not, I, I'd rather do in-person consulting. That's was something that I wanted to do. Um, but the online space just caught up to me. So you have to be okay with shifts in your business. I feel like it's a good thing though. It is. Same here. I got a DM one day in the very beginning and someone was like, hey, do you, do you take one-on-one clients? And I was like, I I can, I I haven't before, but sure. Like, let's try it out. But I really want to talk to you today about visibility and Instagram and selling on video. I know a lot of listeners feel like they don't know how to show up on video. They feel not their authentic, confident self because it's something that feels awkward. I mean, I remember in the beginning of my business, I could not watch my videos back. I could not hear my own voice. It was like cringe all the time, but I think you outgrow it. So I would love to hear your take on that. Yeah. I mean, I personally feel like if you don't show up on video, like the sales are just going to come like completely slower. Um, It's just a great way to ramp up the buying process. And someone like me, I wasn't always good at the actual copywriting. Like there's people in the online space, I would buy directly from a caption. Like it's so captivating. They're so good. Um, It's like a really great talent that obviously I would love to reach as well. But um, I think that not everyone is like that. Copywriting is so hard. It's one of the hardest skills to learn, but video gives you an avenue to connect on an emotional level with your audience. And I think that if you're not on video, there's fear of rejection, fear of judgment kind of holding you back. I know for me, my whole family watched my videos and it was so scary for them. I, I knew I was judged. I felt judged, but it's one of those things that you have to keep pushing and almost stop thinking so much about yourself and start, Ooh, thinking, about, yeah. start thinking about the customers who want to hear what you have to say on video. Yeah. And how do you think that not doing video compromises your visibility? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, video is the number one aspect when it comes to getting visible. I mean, I really love Gary Vee. I love, he has so many videos and he's on video for a reason. Um, If you're out there chasing clients so much, you're doing so much engagement, you're doing all these personal reach outs and you're not getting on video, it's not going to pay off because when they come back to your profile, when they see your stuff, they don't see your face. Um, If if I don't know what you look like, then I'm probably not going to buy from you. (laughs) Right. It's just something about being in their energy. Yeah. And it's just like talking to your best friend in person. Like you really need that avenue to create that emotional bond, especially I I feel like a lot of us have a female audience who buys from us. Not like men, we don't buy from logistics. We're going to buy from emotion. And I feel like video really plays a huge part in that and just with the visibility process in general. And you do such a good job of showing up on video, especially around launches and when you're going into those promotional periods. And it seems very intentional and it also feels really authentic. So can you share your process for that? Yeah. So I, I feel like the, the hardest time I work is a pre-launch and I enjoy it. Um, I want to show up so strongly before my launch. So when I actually launch, 
all the work's done for me. Um, because I firmly believe that if someone knows they want to buy my stuff, they're going to buy it. If they don't want to buy it, they're not going to buy it. Um, and I think there's just kind of the mindset you have to have in the online space. So what I'd like to do, I would say kind of where I am now, maybe like two or three weeks before launch, um, I'm ramping up my mini trainings. I'm showing up probably like three times a week educating around what my offer is going to be or who the customer is, who the offer is tailored towards. Um, I'm ramping up talking about my clients and social proof. So I'm probably doing that about three times a week on video as well. Um, I'm ramping up behind the scenes of creating my offer take my audience through the journey so they feel like they're creating it with me. So I'll be doing polls, asking them questions, helping them, like having them help me create the offer so they feel a part of the process. Um, and I'm ramping up just my face on video more, whether I'm going for a walk, whether I'm doing a Q&A, whether I'm cooking, doing some like personal points. Because when it comes to the actual launch, I want to focus on the actual sales, the emails, the DM conversations, the handling, the objections. I almost want to just pre-qualify them in my content before the launch on video. I think that's a good point because a lot of people I think get caught up in, well, everything has to be a mini training and I have to just give so much value. And to me, it's like, you lose me at that point. I want to see, you know, I have read somewhere that if someone takes a picture or video, some people like zoom in and they want like all the nitty gritty details. Like people are nosy as fuck in my opinion. So the more you can share about your animals or your relationship or what you're cooking for dinner or the walk you're going on, that all ties to sales activity. And I think a lot of people don't make that connection. No, they don't. And I love mini trainings. Like, obviously, it's like my favorite thing ever, but like you cannot do them every day or you're going to get in the friend zone. Yeah. Just, the more you educate, the more, the, I mean, it's great, but they're not going to look at you as like that authority online because you're putting them in the friend zone. You're not talking about anything else. You're just educating. And I think it comes to the point where, when you're doing the mini trainings, you want to have high quality trainings, not just to throw them out there. Like they should be high quality. Um, and also the personal points. Yeah. I mean, showing any type of personal points you can throughout the day. I think at least once a day, I'm showing something personal where my audience can at least connect with me on a personal level. If they don't want to, that's fine. But I want to give an avenue for the people who really want to at least once a day, especially during like the beginning or the pre-launch phase. Um, it's when I'm ramping up the personal stuff as well. I think it just really ties a factor in people buy from people, people are buying from you um, behind the brand, not buying from your actual like brand and your services they are buying you. So yeah, 100%. And we align so much in the pre launch activities. That's I think where most of the heavy lifting is done. And it's my favorite part too. And I think it people compare sales to like sex and it's like the sale is like that final, like doing the dirty, but like the, the foreplay, like the intimacy of it really comes from sharing those other parts of your life and building that connection and that trust like weeks leading up to. And I think a miss too is people are like, I'm going to launch in two weeks. So I'm going to just start talking about my offer in a couple of days. And they just like rush through the process when that nurturing leading up to, like you said, that is the sales process. That is what sells people. Yeah, the creation phase, it's huge. People overthink it. People really do overthink yeah. it. I just tell people, hey, are you working on creating your offer today? Are you writing some templates? Post about it. 
yeah. talk about it. Like it, it, it's really, I feel like there's no secret formula. Great. I have a content calendar for you for your launch. It's awesome. You should definitely like anyone who needs a content calendar can create one. Right. But that's not the formula. The formula is just taking your audience through a journey. Yeah. Um, and I think it's one of those things where I feel like community is a huge mental trigger. You know, when you see people posting about their group programs or their masterminds or their Facebook group, you want to be a part of it. Well, if you're taking your audience through the journey of your offer of how you create it, they're going to want to be a part of it too. Um, so that's why just anytime you're working on your offer, maybe you're recording or you're working on a template or you're working on a sales page, like don't hesitate to post that stuff. Um, because that's a really great way to build anticipation. I totally agree behind the scenes. Like I said, I just think people are so curious. We're just curious by nature. So the more that we can kind of share what's behind the curtain, and I think it empowers people too. Like you're saying, there's no secret. You're not missing anything. You're most of the time you're making it harder than it actually has to be. And that's why you're seeing, not seeing the results, not because you're doing something wrong or your program sucks. No, right. It's just, it, if you stop thinking so hard about, oh, did I post that today? Was, I should have posted that today. Is that going to impact me? Like when you stop, stop creating so much, it's what I always like to say, like stop creating and just like document as much as you can document the process. Gary Vee always says, you know, document, don't create, which same thing with content planning and everything. I feel like creating and planning, like it can just feel overwhelming. It doesn't have to feel overwhelming. You just document as you go especially through stories throughout your day. Um, take your phone with you, take your stories with you and just have them a part of you throughout the day. So when you start thinking about your stories or your videos like that, it's just going to become a lot easier for you to connect with your audience and not make it so pushy or just really, um, I would say, what's the word I'm coming up with? Like stagnant, like very, not flowy. Yeah, like and it doesn't and feel forth. good for anyone on either side because then people get in the loop of like well I hate video because I feel uncomfortable but you feel uncomfortable because you're trying to like curate something that's so inauthentic and it just goes into that loop but I've never heard actually the document versus create and I think that's like the most golden nugget ever and it's so true and even if you look at people who share their like daily to do's and what's on the agenda that's that's a huge piece of it people want to know what you're up to and what running a business looks like. I always compare it to, um, I'm a huge fan of YouTube and there's a reason why people create YouTube videos called what I do in a day, what I eat in a day, how I do this during a day, because they're very popular, trendy videos. People are so curious about your life. They're so nosy. They want to know what you're doing. So yeah, posting the agenda. Um, if you have calls with anyone tagging them, if you're going anywhere, like people want, especially your ideal customer, obviously they aspire to be you. So they want to feel themselves like in your day. So that's yeah. why I would say the agenda and just documenting. I always kind of post, I would say morning, mid morning, afternoon. I just try to fit in all the gaps of my day throughout my stories. So if my ideal customer goes and watches me the next morning, they can see like my whole day. Yeah. And I think that does something too, of expanding your revenue and your business too. Like we were talking about this before when I was on your podcast of like, I started to share what I was buying from Amazon and it was skincare and home decor. And all of a sudden my DMs were flooded. So that tells me as a business owner, 
I should probably create an Amazon affiliate account. It might have nothing to do with business, but had I not shared that, I wouldn't have known my audience was craving that kind of other content and connection. Right. That's huge. Yeah. I, I feel like sharing the personal stuff, a lot of people don't want to because they feel like it doesn't relate to their offer or what they're selling. But in reality, it does. It opens up a gateway for you guys to have like an actual conversation. Um, I remember one time I posted that I was watching Game of Thrones and this girl messaged me. She's like, oh my gosh, like who do you think's going to be crowned at the end? Like Sansa or Arya? And I was like, I don't know, Aria probably. And she was like, by the way, I've been wanting to ask you about your services. Like people will use like the more personal stuff you post, the more of an avenue you can have conversations with people. No one wants to like have a conversation that much from a business, like me taking a photo of me doing business stuff. Like, but if I'm taking a photo of my wine, I'm going to get more conversations, hence more activity in the DMs to potentially sell or just talk about our services that we have. Let's be real. It goes down in the Instagram DMs nowadays. In fact, 90% of my sales, and I've done well over six figures in sales and counting, come from my Instagram DMs. I've put together an entire roadmap and strategy with real screenshot examples for you to sell in the DMs. Go to taylorslango.com Instagram to grab your free copy. Okay, now back to the episode. Yeah, I've had that happen to me so many times. People slide in the DMs for one thing and then they're like, well, I'm here, but maybe they would have never got here before prompting them with personal content. And I know that there's people listening in my audience who feel like, well, I show up and maybe I share the things, but the audience isn't there. So what are some visibility strategies that you can actually use on Instagram? Yeah. So I think it comes to the point where, you know, if the audience isn't really there, maybe you're wanting to increase your views or just you really get out there more. Um, I have a few things that I like to do. My first one is just any type of collabs. Um, especially if you have a, a free challenge or freebie, like what if you take over five people's Instagram accounts and promote that freebie or free challenge? Um, and then the other people can come back on your profile. You guys can just collab. And I always picture this, like what if those five people each had a thousand followers? That's potentially 5,000 people who you can bring awareness to, to your free challenge or your freebie. Not saying all of them will convert, but it does gain the visibility and get people back to your profile. You're just kind of cross-pollinating those audiences. So I love Instagram story collabs and I actually do them sometimes. Um, other people in my industry who I'm friends with and I might pop on and collab and do a mini training to their audience and they'll come back and do a training on mine. Like I collabed with a health coach and I did a mini training on like Instagram. And then she came back and did like a mini training on how to have enough energy as an entrepreneur. Like just really fun to think of stuff like that. Just gives your audience something different and also just is gaining you a lot of visibility. So I love the collabs. Um, and I think the Facebook group guest experts are great. Um, especially if you do a collab. But I think the thing about those is just making sure that you are promoting it and you're creating events in your Facebook group for the guests who are coming on. So like your Facebook group can see the guest vice versa for you, just kind of taking your time with it and really wanting as many people on that guest call or guest live as possible. So I like the Instagram story collabs, the guest um, in the Facebook group, if you you don't even have to have a Facebook group. I mean, you could pitch your expertise to people who have a Facebook group as well. Um, yeah. But I love Facebook groups. I think they're great. And then 
I would say Instagram live collabs. Um, people don't like to go live. Um, it's a whole nother ball game than showing up on stories. I mean, it's actually like feels like you're in person with someone. Um, but why don't you go live with someone in your industry or a client and ask them questions? They can ask you questions, Q&A style. I have a client who does this, records her screen and um, uploads it as a podcast like a video podcast. Like there's lots of avenues that you can do. So I like the Instagram story collabs, Facebook group and Instagram live collabs. And I think that helps your audience too, to see, Hey, it's not just all about me and what I'm doing. I want to have this be a place of value for you. So like you're saying, you know, busy entrepreneurs probably valued so much having someone about, you know, health and wellness, talk about whatever they're talking about. It's not your zone of genius, but holy crap, it probably benefits the shit out of them. And even going back to what you said in the very beginning, like love you guys, but it's not really about you. And I think the more you can remove yourself and like, poor me, I'm scared. What if people think this? And I don't feel it's like the more you can think about your clients, what do they need to hear? What's going to excite them? What's going to inspire them? What's going to draw them in and really thinking about them, not you, you're going to have better luck overall, even with the collaborations and getting out of the headspace of its competition or something like that. I remember in the beginning, I don't know if I've shared this with you, Madison, but in the beginning, I was in some programs where I was like, you know, I'm not here to make friends. Like I'm honestly here to grow the business. That was the most toxic mindset I could have had. And I did not leverage the partnerships that could have benefited both of us, not just so I should have made friends that would have helped me grow faster. But now I see those collaborations and how they're so powerful to have those connections and have a network. I think it expands you in ways that you really wouldn't imagine. Yeah. And you know, that happens. I feel like some people get in a competitive mindset, especially when they're in group programs or masterminds or memberships. Like you have to look at that. If someone takes over your Instagram, who's in the same industry as yours, you have to know that your whole audience is not buying from you in the first place. Right. Like you you just have to know that. And, um, it's more, the more you collab and the more connections that you have, I feel like the more your business does grow. Um, cause you get the help, you get the support, you're able to work together in the future and it's just going to grow your business. But yeah, you really have to think about that. You know, if you are doing these collabs with people that it's not going there, your audience is just not going to flock to them. That's just a mindset um, issue to work through, which is totally fine, which I had that as well. When I first started, it's something you grow out of and you almost like get over. Because it's almost drilled in your head. And this is something I teach too. But you know, in the beginning, it's about money making activities. So you might see collabs is like, well, that can come later after I make money. But the visibility and connection and network is what's going to create sustainable growth for you. Right, right. And I think that like any of the newer entrepreneurs, if you're just starting, I mean, I would definitely hit home with the visibility too, because I think that's going to even ramp up when you do the money-making activities, it's going to be a lot easier. Yeah. Um, And just practicing visibility on a monthly basis, like, Hey, one collab this month, Hey, one pitch to a podcast this month. Like what can you do each month to move the needle forward when it comes to your visibility? Um, And as you grow and as your business grows, it's going to be easier, but it's hard work in the beginning. It is. And I think there's also an expectation of like, I'm going to wait until it comes to me. And you've mentioned a couple of times, sometimes you have to pitch your expertise. So how do you go about that? If you're wanting to collab with someone, do you just slide in the DMs? 
Yeah. So usually it's someone who one, I've definitely probably talked to, um, like for you, when I like, was like, Hey, we should do a podcast collab. Like I, it was already on my radar. I just try to come as authentic as possible. Like, I don't really care about the formal pitches. Like I don't want it to be so formal. Like I just want it to be chill. So if I'm going to do an Instagram story collab with someone, I'm going to be like, Hey, Sarah, um, I love your content. I love watching you on Instagram stories. I would love to do an Instagram story collab where you can promote something free on my stories and I can promote something free on your stories. Let me know if you'd be down to talk more about it. Looking forward to hearing back. Like something super simple, um, especially with collabs. When it comes to podcasts, yeah, I get lots of pitches and you probably do too. And I would say my favorite types of pitches are not the formal ones. Like I love when you tell your story, you kind of talk about what you can bring to the podcast. And then we can kind of figure out what you want to talk about after. But it's more like, hey, let me get to know you. I want to know you more. It doesn't need to be so formal. Yeah, I mean, I get emails with like these media kits and like so and so has a following of blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that doesn't necessarily matter to me as much as are we going to have a really good conversation that benefits the audience? Because again, it's like not about us. It's not about our metrics. It's really about the value that they're going to get. And even in the DMs that like chill pits, like I was like, no brainer. Like it feels like we're already friends. Like let's do it. And I, I'm sure that you find most of the time people don't say no. Yeah, no, most definitely. And it's just, you have to pitch. If people say no, that's fine. Like who cares? People are always going to, you're going to hear no a lot. Um, But if you want to do collabs or anything like that, just send a nice DM. Someone's going to respond. People are using DMs more than emails anyways, in my opinion. Um, And I think it's one of those things where approach it. How would you approach her in person? Mm, yeah. How would you probably, approach her at a networking party? You probably wouldn't say, Hey, here are five things I'm able to talk about. You're probably not going to do that. It's going to be a more chill conversation. So just approach it how you would in person. And it's going to feel more authentic and more likely for her to say yes. And that's a lesson that you guys listening can take and apply to many areas of your business. I always say for content emails, if, if something feels off, read it out loud. And if it doesn't feel like it's something you'd actually say, or it feels really weird coming out, edit it until it feels like normal. For me, I'm such a verbal processor. So if there's something that I can't quite articulate in an email or in a text or in an anything, I'll like make an, a Voxer to myself and just like vomit on Voxer and then transcribe it and clean it up from there. And that that works for me. So I think it's also about finding what works for you and how you can communicate and show up on stories in a way that feels good for you because it will look different for everyone. It does. It absolutely does. Especially, you know, if you have a nine to five, if you're a full-time mom, if you're busy, if you're doing things like I, and I always tell people, look, we have lives outside of our business. I'm not telling you to show up on stories all the freaking time, but I'm telling you not to neglect your audience and to really keep them in mind. If you are, have a full-time job, if you're going on vacation, if you can't show up on stories in a few days, just let your audience know, um, you would let your best friend know if you couldn't make it out to dinner, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you wouldn't just ditch her, right? You have to kind of think about your audience that way too. They aspire, they love watching you don't neglect them. But if you are busy, if you can't show up, let them know. Like in the morning, I might be like, Hey, putting my phone on airplane mode for the day. I'll be back tomorrow. So my audience knows I'm doing something. I'm just not ghosting them completely, but we do have lives outside our business, but 
finding what works for you with Instagram stories, what makes you comfortable and just being consistent with it is what's going to pay off and increase the sales. Yeah. Consistency is definitely the biggest thing, not dropping off. And I think people come out of the woodwork at that point too. Like I've posted before, like I'm taking the long weekend, things have been so busy behind the scenes and I get so many sweet DMs that are like, you deserve this, like, enjoy your time off. Let me know how it goes. And like, that just feels so good all around. I Yes, like little things like that. Like I get those too. And it's like, people are rooting for you, but you almost sometimes people get so caught up in themselves. Yeah, they're not, you know, you have an audience who supports you already, just showing up for them and doing the best that you can as a business owner and doing other things in your life. If you're a mom, working, etc. But there's always time and I feel like there never should be excuses because Instagram stories really, if you're consistent with it, that's where most of your sales can come from. A hundred percent. Yeah. This was so valuable. So many good nuggets that you shared. Where can people find more of you? Yeah. So I mostly hang out on Instagram at madison.tinder or my website's www.madisontinderllc.com. Cool. And we'll link everything in the show notes so you guys can connect with her. But seriously, like watch her do as she does, watch her Instagram stories. And I think she's just such a good example of how authentic and fun Instagram can be. And clearly she's successful and profitable with it. So thank you for being on the show and sharing this all with the audience. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. And yeah, hopefully you guys got some good nuggets from Instagram stories. Yay, we'll see you guys next week. That's a wrap. If you loved this episode, be sure to screenshot it, post it on your Instagram story, and tag me. To stay up to date on all things Aligned and Ambitious, make sure you're subscribed to the show, and I'm always so grateful when you leave a review. New episodes drop every single Monday, and during the in-between, you can find me hanging out on Instagram. So I hope to connect with you over there, and I'll see you next week.